0: Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. God has blessed this church with a, a, a wonderful group of preachers that can preach well. You've heard a few of them already this past week. You're going to hear another one today. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to announce my topic in advance. The Lord told me to do this. He said to me, while we were worshiping, this week I want you to go to the pet store. I want you to buy a goldfish and a bowl and some rocks and a vegetable that goes in there. And I want you to bring it to church Sunday. And I said, oh, Lord, you're not going to make me eat it, are you? He said, as of right now, no. And he said, I want you to preach to the people Sunday how to see through a glass darkly. And tell the folks to bring people and bring yourself. If you can't see your way out of your present circumstances, God's got an answer for you next Sunday. Praise God. Well, he has an answer for you this Sunday, and it's gonna come through the words to the voice and the spirit of this fine young man. When I told my daughter many years back, I said, I think God's gonna have, your, she was single, and I said, you know, I, think you, I just feel like you're gonna marry someone like a doctor or a pilot. And at the time, she thought, oh, thanks, Dad. Where are we gonna find any of those? Well, the Lord came through amazingly. Not only just her marrying the doctor, but a fine Christian man of faith, lover of God, lover of souls, humble, smart, all of those things. Put your hands together as Brother Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan Tackett comes to bring us a word from the Lord, praise God.
1: We got backup power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord like he deserves it? Come on, come on, like he deserves to be praised. The singers didn't know what I was going to preach today, but they've already sang my whole sermon from start to finish, so the Lord's really going to layer it on thick on you today. He's giving you a double dose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. We're going to read a few scriptures here. 2 Kings 7 and 1. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. We're going to read several verses. Stay with me. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, Turn to your neighbor and say, this time, a measure of fine flour will sell for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. That's Israel after the uh, people were divided into two nations. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But Elisha said, you shall see it with your own eyes. But you shall not eat it. Now four men who were lepers were at the entrance of the city's gate. And they said to one another, why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the army of the Syrians. If they spare us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose in the twilight and went to the Syrian camp. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no man was there. No man was there. For the Lord had made the Syrian army hear a noise of chariots and horses, the noise of a great army. They had said one to another, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to come upon us. So the Syrians arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, horses, donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into the tent and ate and drank, and they carried away silver, gold, and clothing, and went and hid them in the darkness Then they entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid it. We're going to skip to verse 15. Then the king's servants went after them to the Jordan. And all the way along the road was strewn clothing and equipment which the Syrians had cast away in their flight. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians So that a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel as the Lord had spoken through Elisha. The king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the starving people trampled him in the gate as they struggled to get through for food. And he died as the man of God had foretold when the king came down to him. The word of the Lord to you today, that he has already spoken to us, I'm going to call this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. Turn to your neighbor and say, this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. You see, God's really specific. There's no uncertainty with him. He knows exactly when your moment of deliverance is going to happen. He knows exactly the circumstances in which it's going to happen. He's got it down to the day, the minute, the second. There's no ETA with God. There's no estimated time. There's no estimated anything. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. Not sometime tomorrow. Not maybe tomorrow. Not sometime in the next week. Not the delivery guy that says between this time and this time, but this time tomorrow. You can count on it. Turn to your neighbor and say, this time tomorrow, you're going to see it. Let's ask the blessing of the Lord on his word. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, for your grace, for the word that you've already bestowed upon us this morning. Confirm your word to us, Lord. Let it take seed in fertile soil and let it bring forth. That's what it has gone forth to do, to accomplish your purpose, God. We come to you humbly, God, and ask for a continued, powerful move. For more, Lord, a double portion, pressed down, shaken together, and running over of what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, in Jesus' name. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Sunday school, you are dismissed. Let's go to work. So the context of this story that we read in the Scripture can be found by backing up one chapter... 2 Kings chapter 6, and here we see king, the king of Syria warring with Israel. And there's a very famous story in this chapter of the Bible that many of you are familiar with. And the context of this is that the Syrian king sets up his camp because they had been warring with Israel, or Samaria, and Elisha warns the king of Samaria not to go near where the enemy camp is. The king of Syria finds out, gets mad, finds out Elisha warned the king of of Israel or Samaria. And so the Bible says that he sent a great army in the night and surrounded the city of Dothan where Elisha was. Then Elisha's servant sees the army around him, and we can all quote this verse, and sees, sees the army of the enemy, the Syrian army, and he is afraid. And Elisha prays for his servant and says in verse 17, chapter 6, Fear not, for those that are for us are more than those who are against us. And he prays that the Lord opens the eyes of his servant, and the Lord does. And he sees a mount. the Bible says, a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. But Elisha prayed at that point that the Lord would smite the enemy with blindness. He didn't say, Lord, smite the enemy, kill him. He didn't say destroy him. He didn't say slaughter him. He said, smite them with blindness. The Lord does it. Then he brings the army of the Syrians to the king of Samaria. And they're blind. And then he prays for the Lord to open the enemy's blind eyes. And God does it. And then the king of Israel sees the army of the enemy and he says, should I kill them? And Elisha says, no. And then he feeds them. And then he sends them back. This is the enemy of Israel they've been warring with. And Elisha says, no, feed him, Let him go back home. Yeah. So in the scripture, we see what is perhaps a passage of months or even years. Because it says in the middle of chapter 6, afterward, or in other words, sometime later, the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, gathers his, now his, not his great army, but his whole army and besieges Samaria to get revenge because he was up still warring, had a bad attitude, whatever it was. But the Bible says afterwards, sometime later, he gathers his whole army and besieges Israel or Samaria. And that leads us up to our text. Because the second half of chapter 6 describes the kingdom of Samaria being besieged. And things are so bad, the people are starving. The Bible says a great famine came to Samaria... They're eating animals they normally wouldn't eat. They're sell- the Bible says selling donkey's heads for 80 shekels. And a donkey is unclean. They don't eat donkeys. And the head of the donkey is perhaps the worst and cheapest part. So they're selling parts just to eat that they wouldn't even normally touch. And then the Bible even says that there's some theologians describe selling animal excrement to eat. This is how bad it is. Toward the end of chapter 6, the passage says that the king of Samaria sees a mother crying out in the streets as he's walking about the city walls. And she cries out to him and describes a terrible thing that she's done. She boiled and ate her own son. And the king gets so mad, he wears sackcloth, and perhaps to avert God's anger at this terrible act, but he has, that we see in the scripture, no spirit of penitence or self-humiliation. But then he gets very mad about the whole situation. And regarding Elisha, he says the very words that his mother, who is Jezebel, his mother, Jezebel, he says the same words regarding Elisha that she said regarding Elijah, which is, may God do so to me. And more also, if the head of Elisha shall stand on him this day. As the passage goes on, he sends someone to kill Elisha. Then we get into our text in chapter 7 where four lepers decide to go out of the enemy camp. They got nothing to lose. Syrians are gone because the Lord made the Syrians hear the noise of chariots and horses. So they get out and find that the Syrians have scattered. These two chapters bring to attention the importance of spiritual senses. There's a lot of spiritual senses going on in this passage. We see with spiritual vision that Elisha sees an army, a mountain full of chariots and horses of fire surrounding him that are on his side. And he prays that his servant can see the same. In chapter 7, the Syrian army, when they're besieging Samaria, hear an army that is not physically... To be seen there. So the enemies you could consider stuck with using their natural senses only. So their assumption wasn't even that the army of God was marching on them. They were so contained in their own physical senses that they assumed Israel had called for backup from Egypt or another nation. And that was incorrect. You see, when you can only use your spiritual senses, you miss seeing the army that's actually surrounding you. When you don't have spiritual vision, you can't see a spiritual attack coming. You can't see God's protection. You can't hear and recognize a lie from the truth. You can't distinguish the enemy from God. You can't hear God's voice. You can't feel a touch from the King of Kings. Somebody needs to pray today that their spiritual eyesight would be open. Somebody needs to say, God, open my eyes and let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. So our passage of scripture, the kingdom of Samaria is under siege. Now in siege warfare, people are trapped in, trapped inside the walls. They're prevented from going out and they essentially try to just wait out for the the enemy tries to wait out for the people inside the city to use all their resources and either surrender or die or starve or whatever. So they use up all their resources in the city walls food, water. Now, the result of not getting enough nutrition is a weakened immune system. So not only are they just starving, they're also getting physically weaker in their bodies, and their immune systems are getting weaker. And it's even further weakened by the fact that they're eating things that they shouldn't be eating and wouldn't normally eat. The original documents From historians that have actually recorded accounts of soldiers and civilians in a siege in medieval warfare, state that they started drinking sewer water, eating waste and trash just because they're starving. This is what happens in a siege. So they get sicknesses and diseases that they wouldn't normally get. In other words, they become susceptible to opportunistic infection. People start dying of starvation and also disease. And then when they die, they can't even take bodies outside the city. So the decaying corpses cause more problems, more infection spreads. They start burying them in ditches inside the city. It starts to smell in there. It starts to get nasty and gross, and things go from bad to worse. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody in here has been trapped in by the enemy. And you've been trapped for a really, really long time. You've been surrounded on every side. You've felt stuck. You've felt isolated. You feel drained dry. You've done things you never thought you would do. And the enemy's got you so sick in your body and in your messed up in your mind that you can't even fathom what God even is anymore. You've been starving for so long. You started eating things that are inedible. You've been trying to quench thirst from things that can't quench it. You've been praying and feeling like the heavens are made of brass. But I'm here to tell you today that there's an army surrounding the city that you can't see. Someone needs to let the anointing fa- fresh, fall fresh on their eyes today so that they can see the things that are actually there. Mm. Someone's been infected with opportunistic infections, which I will tell you are most often parasitic Parasites that feed and suck you dry of your own body's nutrients. Opportunistic infections frequently are parasitic in nature. They survive off of other living things. They're the type of infections that come in once you start giving in to fear and anxiety. Despair, doubt, fear, hopelessness. Before you were just fearful and afraid and depressed, and now you're having suicidal thoughts. Come on, who am I talking to today? Somebody has let stuff in that they wouldn't normally think. They've gone places they would never go in their mind because once you start in the small things, it leads to something bigger and bigger, and pretty soon you've got an opportunistic spiritual infection that's eating you away and draining you dry like a parasite. Someone's been watching so much fantasy and playing fantasy video games, you have trouble knowing the difference between what's real and what's not. Someone's been giving in to gossip. Who am I talking to? Somebody knows, hey, you've been giving in to gossip, and now all of a sudden you have a spirit of Jezebel on you. Oh, God, let it not be so. You've been listening to sad music all all day long and then wonder why you're depressed. Opportunistic infections. The enemy's been trapping someone in a siege for a long time, and within the walls of your own home, you felt isolated, and the devil's been draining you dry of all your joy. You've been able to look outside the wall, but all you ever see is the enemy camping around about you, and you let yourself get discouraged, and you see the negative things happening in the world, all the negative events, all the problems, the turmoil, And you think that your lot is just to sit here and starve and wait it out inside the walls. I see all the problems everyone else has. I'm looking and I'm seeing all the imperfections in the church. Uh Uh-oh. I'm looking outside and I'm seeing all the stuff that's wrong with these people. You see all the things that are happening and you start to wonder whether or not God even cares. And you're turning to all the wrong things thinking it's going to help, like the news. It is never going to help. I'm not saying you need to be ignorant, but I am saying that when you need hope, don't turn the TV on. You see, somebody's let the devil convince them that there's no way out of the circumstance they're in. I'm telling you today that there is a way out. You just wait. This time tomorrow, you're going to see it. God will see you through. This time tomorrow, the enemy will scatter. You just wait and see. Somebody shout like you mean it. This time tomorrow. (laughs) Now, in this passage of Scripture, the captain of the guard of the king of Samaria expresses doubt. And Elisha says that he will watch the miracle of abundance happen tomorrow, this time tomorrow, but he won't eat it. Why didn't Elisha pass a similar terminal judgment on to other people who needed it? Like the wicked king who just tried to have him killed. Why not the woman who committed an abomination by reverting to cannibalism, eating her own son? Why not killing the Syrian army, the enemy? Hello. Why would Elisha put a terminal judgment on the captain? Why is the captain the only one in the whole story who the Bible says was killed when there was plenty of reason to have others in this passage killed? It's because he demonstrated an absolute lack of faith. Complete lack of faith. You see, faith activates the spiritual senses. Faith is the lens that we see through to see a miracle before it happens. The Bible says it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen by these eyes. And without it, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. Impossible. In fact, in this story, there was so much displeasure at the lack of faith From this captain that it cost him his life not having faith is a deadly business you don't want to not have any faith the Bible says he's given each person a measure of faith but not having any and then proclaiming it like you don't believe anything that's a dangerous business to have but questioning God's ability to perform something is something that we've probably all done at one time and don't you know that the people in the city who were starving must have had doubt And yet this man who says it overtly out loud to be heard with audible ears is the one that gets a terminal judgment. See, sometimes God has to kill doubt in the room because he knows how fragile and weak and starving his people are for some nutrition. Sometimes he lets it live just long enough to be proven wrong. And then he kills it. Either way, doubt has no place in the kingdom of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, get rid of your doubt. The miracle that you've been praying for is on just the other side of squashing your doubt. you got to destroy doubt in your mind in order to receive the promise. This time tomorrow. <laughs> Elijah said, this time tomorrow. And the captain doubted. And the scripture says that he was trampled on by people running to get nourishment. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying in here. I'm preaching to somebody. you got to get rid of your doubt in order to receive the miracle. The enemy just heard the sound of feet marching and fled. And it's interesting to me that if you read this closely, the same method for striking fear and driving out the enemy without killing them is the same method by which doubt was killed. It was stomped on. Enemy here stomping of feet, they run. And the man that had all the doubt in the kingdom inside the walls gets stomped on. Someone in here is about to trample on their doubt today. Someone's about to crush it under their feet. Someone's about to crush the hopelessness that's been talking to them while they're running to their victory. I said, on the way to your promise, on the way to your miracle, on the way to your victory, someone's going to get rid of the doubt that's been following them for years and years. You've been trapped in the wall feeling like you ain't got any hope. And I'm telling you today, get rid of the doubt and you're going to see your miracle this time, tomorrow. Woo! Somebody needs to crush it right now under their feet. Somebody needs to stomp on it. Somebody needs to obliterate it. Come on, come on. If you don't have faith, you'll be destroyed. Not by the enemy, but by the body. you got to cut out dead faith like you're cutting out dead tissue. Death is Contagious. And a lack of faith is contagious, which is why it was so detrimental. And why Elisha said, you're going to see the promise, and you won't get to partake of it. You better get rid of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, get rid of it. Elisha didn't ask God to smite and kill the enemy. And God didn't kill the enemy when they were under siege. Instead, he makes them hear the army that I believe Elisha saw in chapter 6. You see, Elisha had spiritual vision and he saw the army, and his servant, when they were in Dothan, couldn't see it. And he was afraid because all he saw was the enemy army. Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. So Elisha had already seen the army of the Lord that was on his side. Oh. Someone's going to get it. The problem wasn't the enemy, God will take care of the enemy. He'll protect his people from the enemy. Even if he has to blind the enemy or make them hear chariots and horses. Even if he has to confuse the natural senses, he'll take care of the enemy. The problem is not the enemy. The problem is not outside the walls. The problem is the doubt that's inside the walls. The problem The problem, honey, is you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the problem. Turn to your other neighbor and say, fix yourself. Let me tell you something. A lack of faith will kill you if you're not careful. Somebody needs to crush their doubt with a shout right now. Come on, shout like you mean it with a voice of triumph. Shout with a voice of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we want God to fix everybody else. We want God to destroy everybody else. Oh, Lord, fix them, Jesus. They're a mess. Oh, Lord. When really he needs to just fix us. We want him to judge the wicked ones. When we got wickedness internally, oh, Lord. I'm hitting somebody now. Jesus said it, too. The outside of the cup is clean, but the inside, oh, is filthy. And we want justice to all the enemies of the church. And yet we have this problem within the church. Oh God, you just need to fix this one. Lord, I don't know if they have any hope. They're just so bad. Get yourself straight first. And then you can pray for somebody to receive their deliverance. Some of you have been trying to fight the good fight and battle the enemy all by yourself. Trying to fix everyone else's problems. Trying to logic your way through it. Well, let me, just, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you what your problem is, brother. Well, let me, give you, let, me, let me lay this one on you. When God is saying, let me fix you. Let me heal your body. Let me give you nourishment and rest in your body that you've been starving for for years now. You better pray for yourself. Lay your hand on your own head right now and say, God, Lord, give me what I need right now, Jesus. Lord, sustain me. Give me nourishment in my body. In the name of Jesus, God, open my mind, open my spiritual senses. Hallelujah. Somebody got a fence in their house, and you're letting it just sit there while you go and play the part in church, giving gifts at the altar. You better leave your gift at the altar and go take care of that offense. They sang about it today, Search me, O God, and know my heart. The psalmist said, try me and know my thoughts, God. If there be any wicked way in me, get it out. Cut it out, Jesus. Get rid of it. Get rid of my doubt. Get rid of my feeling of self-loathing. Get rid of my worry. Get rid of my despair. Get rid of my depression, Jesus. And lead me in the way of the everlasting. Let me tell you something. If we keep a spirit of repentance and let God wash and renew us, not only can we just live, but we can run to the victory. You see, Elisha was in the city walls that all this was happening in. He was in the same conditions. He was in the same circumstances. People in the city of Samaria were starving. Inside these kingdom walls, everyone was starving. Elisha had a house there. The Bible says Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him. He was there. He wasn't outside. He was experiencing all the same stuff. And there's women in the streets moaning and wailing, eating their own children. Sickness, disease spreading, death. And Elisha is sitting around in his living room talking to the other brothers of the church. Calm. Calm. The elders, I can just see them sitting around talking about the goodness of God. Talking about Elijah. Let me tell you about how I saw him leave, brothers. Let me tell you about the fire that I saw. Let me tell you about the glory of God. They're in there talking about the goodness of God, and people are out there starving. There's a massive army outside the walls. The whole army of Syria, possibly for years, trapping them in. And Elisha's just chilling. See, because when you know that God is for you, I said, when you know that God is for you, when you know that God is for you, when you know that the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the Creator, the first, the last, the El Shaddai, <laughs> When you know that God is with you, you don't get scared even when you're fenced in. You don't get scared when you're trapped in by the enemy. You don't get afraid of being besieged. You don't have any physical, visible evidence of hope. But you don't get afraid. Because you know Jehovah Nisi. You know the Lord is my banner. Mighty in battle is he. The Lord will hold up a standard for me. I don't have anything to fear i've already seen the armies of the lord i've seen them with my eyes and those that are for us are more than those who are against us the lord is my banner because if god is for you who can be against you who shall lay anything to the charge of god's elect it is god who justifieth who is he that condemneth Yea, is it Christ? No, Christ who died, yea, rather that is risen again. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall suffering, affliction, peril, sword, tribulation, calamity, distress, persecution, hunger, or destitution? No, yet in all these things we are more, more. More, 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 more than conquerors more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, through him who loved us. The Lord is my banner, I'm not afraid. You can relax because in the midst of starvation, you know that he'll prepare a table for you. And where? (laughs) In a presence, in the presence of your enemies. See, when you know that those who are for you are more than those who are against you, you just wait for the moment. You know it's coming. It's not a matter of if. You just wait for God to dispatch the armies. You just wait on him to provide. Somebody say this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. tomorrow." Someone who believes it, say this time tomorrow. tomorrow. Do you believe it? Say it again. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow tomorrow we're going to see it. Elisha already knew God was with him. Elisha already knew that there was an army that the enemy couldn't see standing by. He remembered he'd seen it, a great heavenly army ready to strike at the command of the Lord. So he's just sitting in his living room acting cool. And he knew that the wickedness inside was the real problem. See, the king, while he may not have been as bad as his mother and father... But wicked king Joram also departed from the ways of God. And just like his wicked mother, he tried to have Elisha killed. His mother tried to kill Elijah. He sends someone to Elisha's house in the city to kill him. Elisha locks him out, the Bible says. Won't let him in. Tells the brothers, don't let him in. There's someone coming to kill me. And they're banging on the door angrily. And then the king himself comes behind, the scripture says. And he shouts out, banging on the door, mad. This evil is from the Lord, Elisha. Why do we keep waiting for something good to happen? Why do we keep waiting around, acting like God's going to save us? What else is there to do? And that's when Elisha says, thus saith the Lord. This time tomorrow. Oh, Oh, yeah. Someone's going to see it this time tomorrow. You don't know it yet, but this time tomorrow you're going to see it. And in that moment, God dispatched that heavenly army. I can just see him telling Michael, the archangel, start marching, Michael. Get rid of that enemy army. Get rid of those Syrians. And the Syrians hear a thundering of horses' hooves and the roar of chariots moving. And they become so terrified that they just run. They don't pack their things. They don't pack up the food. They don't get their clothes all packed up neat and nice. They just run. I'm talking about a God who dispatches armies to strike terror in the enemy's camp. Terror in the enemy's camp. Wouldn't it be nice if God just slaughtered the enemy? Why didn't he just kill them? Well, let's just stay in our little kingdom, God, and and, and let you kill all the bad guys out there so we can go on living our comfortable lifestyle in here. It's nice in here. It's nice until you get trapped in and can't leave anymore. It's nice until the enemy surrounds you and you think there's no way out. See, the enemy surrounds us, besieges us, and then what do we do but think that God's left us? Just because the enemy attacks doesn't mean that God's left anywhere. Why don't you just kill the enemy, Lord? Because God has other plans. How many know that God has better plans than what I can think of? How many are a witness to the fact that I prayed for something, but the Lord worked it out better than what I prayed? In this story, God doesn't kill them. He lets them hear a supernatural event taking place. Even though their assumption was it must have been other armies that were hired. And they get so afraid they don't even think to bring with them food and water on their way home to Syria. Not even their, they had gold and silver. The Bible says precious metals. Not even their belongings. They leave it all behind. And and the Bible says in verse 15 that there were clothes strewn all over the path. They're stripping as they ran. They were literally scared out of their own boots. How many know that God doesn't just get rid of the enemy, but then he blesses his people abundantly? I'm talking about a God who can use the weapons of the enemy and then give them to you. A God who can turn the enemy's weapons and the enemy's traps that they set and then work them for your good. Oh, I dare the devil to c- come on devil. You're going to try and lay a trap for me. You're going to fall in it yourself. Go ahead. Bring it. Bring it. Those that are for me are more than those that who are against me. You can't touch a child of the King of Kings. Well, I'm talking to somebody in here. The Lord's gonna give you the weapons of the enemy. He's gonna give you a new set of clothes, fresh clothes, new weapons, new equipment, gold, riches. Hmm. See, if God had killed the enemy, all those nice new clothes would have been soaked with blood. God gives them the weapons, the equipment, the Bible says, of the enemy. And all the power that the enemy had, he said, I'm just going to give it to my people. He uses his army to terrorize the enemy. And then gives us everything that the enemy was using against us. Oh, Oh, someone's got more weapons than they knew. Someone's got more in the arsenal available to them than they knew they had. I'm talking to somebody in here. See, the stuff the enemy was about to use against you, the Lord's about to gift to you. He's going to do it today. The weapons they've been threatening you with, the Lord's about to strip them of those weapons and put them into your hands. We're talking about a transplantation of wealth, a transplantation of food, of abundance, of prosperity. That's the definition of prosperity, abundance. The end of this story is that the people had more food than they had money to buy it with. The scripture says by this time tomorrow, bread's even going to be cheaper than it normally is. More supply than there is the demand. Our God is the God of supply and demand. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He manipulates the supply so it changes the demand. That's Jehovah Jireh for you. Scripture says, I sent you to reap a crop for which you have not toiled. Other men have labored and you have stepped in to reap it, the results of their work. Someone's about to step into something that they didn't even have to work that hard for. Someone's about to step into a victory that they've been working on for years and they're about to find that the Lord had even more stored up for them than what they imagined. I'm talking to someone who's been praying a prayer for a long, long time. Someone who's been desperate for deliverance, for a miracle. You're about to get it. But the Lord's about to give you more. The Lord's about to give you more. He's about to give you more. He's about to give you more. 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 In the space of one day, God will give deliverance to his people. This time tomorrow. In just 24 hours, God turned around his people's starvation into abundance. That's how quickly God works. You don't have to understand the way God works. For those that are a little weaker in faith this morning, you don't have to see the armies of the Lord. There are some of us in here that can see them. There are some of us in here that have seen them. And we got enough faith to pray for you that the Lord will open your eyes. The Lord's about to give you more than what you've been desperate for. He's about to turn your mourning into dancing. He's about to give you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. You may be starving in your soul, but God can turn it around in just 24 hours. This time tomorrow. In just one moment, the armies, the chariots of the Lord can charge and drive off the enemy. One day can change everything. One day can change everything. There's no room for doubt. The only doubt that's listed, that was spoken out loud, was trampled and killed at the gate. We gotta get rid of doubt in this place today. We can't keep living another day in doubt and fear. It's time for the people of God to act like they got nothing to lose, to act like they know who their God actually is. Someone in here has been afraid to get outside the walls of their own mind, they, they've just been stuck in the turmoil and they can't even see who's. We, we, we need to pray for you today. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Someone's been struggling in their mind so much. You've been trapped in those walls. And the devil's been sucking you dry of all your joy, your hope, your peace. Is there anyone in here who's starving and desperate for a word from the Lord? Who's desperate for a source of strength, of peace, of joy? Who's desperate to be filled up to where their cup runs over? God can supply a whole kingdom with food. He can supply all your needs. He set loose the captives of Samaria with just a sound that the enemy heard. Enemy didn't even have to fight to defend themselves. They became so afraid they just ran. We're about to send the enemy running today. Oh, Someone clap. Someone shout. Someone stomp and let the enemy hear your praise. We're going to get them running today. Someone's about to walk into the enemy's camp and take all their own weapons. The enemy's about to be driven out without you laying a finger on them because God wants to give you more than what you asked for. Stuff you didn't pray for. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Someone's getting ready to walk into a new job. Someone's been struggling with their finances. The Lord's about to not only open up a door for you to pay your bills but give you more than you need. What are you going to do with the abundance? What are you going to do with it? You're going to hoard it? You're going to hoard it at home and then when you die and Jesus comes it's not going to be for anything. You're going to use it to bless others and bless the kingdom. Huh? I'm talking to somebody today. Someone's getting ready to raid the enemy's supplies. You better figure out what you need cuz you're about to have access to it. Someone doesn't have a means of transportation. The Lord's about to give you a car this time tomorrow. Someone's been hearing bad words from the doctor. Someone's been hearing about all these test results. Someone's getting back their blood work tomorrow, and they're going to say, I don't know what happened. The doctor's going to say, well, we have a situation. I'm not really sure. Uh, but No, of course you don't know. But that's because I got God, who's my great physician. You're going to walk into treasures that you didn't even store up. Walk into blessings that you didn't earn. Not just enough to get by. Not just enough to live another day. Not just a sip of water. Overrun with blessing. Not just enough to make it. In abundance so that the cost of the things is not even what it normally is. Oh, Job said things too wonderful for me that you had in mind. I saw only one way of this coming to pass. But you, Lord, you... I've been praying for this, and because I, I couldn't see. Oh Lord, open our eyes, Jesus. Open our eyes. You're going to take care of your people. Oh Lord, I rebuke a spirit of doubt and fear in this place. Get out in the name of Jesus. You have no business in the presence of the Almighty. This is the Holy of Holies. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Hashatah. Get rid of that doubt right now. Destroy it. You better stomp on it. Because this time tomorrow, this time tomorrow, you better exercise your faith like the book of Hebrews says in chapter 5. You got to exercise your senses, the spiritual senses, your spiritual vision, your spiritual ears. You got to exercise them. You got to work them. You got to train them. It's the gateway. Faith. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we shout when we do. That's why we clap loud. That's why we dance. That's why we jump. That's why we run. That's why we stomp. Because of my spiritual senses, sense that something's going to happen. It's going to happen on the morrow, this time tomorrow. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but someone's been praying for something, and you're desperate, and you've been praying a long time, and we're going to hear. You better come back and tell us the miracle that God does for you tomorrow. Someone needs it right now. Someone's desperate. Is there anyone desperate enough in the place to lift up a hand and shout with a voice of triumph? Come on, come on, this time tomorrow, this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow, this time tomorrow God's going to do it. Those that are for you are more than those that who are against you. You're about to walk into abundance. You better give thanks for what the Lord's about to do. Don't be inhibited by your physical senses, that you only praise God for the things that He's done. Your physical memory ain't that good, honey. You're gonna forget. You better start praising for the things that God's gonna do for you. You see, praise is how we work our spiritual senses. Shouting is how we give thanks for what hasn't been done yet. Dancing for the victory is what we do when we know it's going to happen. God's been too good to me. But all my needs, He's going to deliver this time tomorrow talking to somebody who's gonna get a miracle this time tomorrow you better stop on your doubt in this place